0: Welcome to Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Ota. Are you making the most of your experience as a spiritual being in physical form? Do you want to live with greater levels of peace and integrity? Today, Lisa and her guests will help you discover, uncover, and recover what's missing in yourself. Now, here's your host, Lisa Tremont Ota. Welcome, I'm your
1: host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration. Today I have the great pleasure and sincere honor to be speaking with Dr. Will Tuttle, visionary author of the best-selling book The World Peace Diet, which has been called one of the most important books of the 21st century and has been written, published in 16 languages worldwide. A global activist, Dr. Tuttle presents widely throughout North America, Europe, and the Pacific and is a recipient of the Courage of Conscience Award as well as the Empty Cages Prize. A vegan for 35 years, he is co-creator of Vegan Palooza, one of the largest online vegan events ever. He is also the co-founder of the nonprofit Circle of Compassion and the worldwide prayer circle for animals. He has featured in the acclaimed documentary film Cowspiracy, as well as other documentaries such as Vegan, Everyday Stories, Hope for All, and Animals and the Buddha. He is also the author of Your Inner Islands: The Key to Intuitive Living, and is the editor of Circles of Compassion, Connecting Issues of Justice. Dr. Tuttle's PhD is from the University of California, Berkeley, where he focused on educating intuition and altruism in adults. He has taught college courses in philosophy, humanities, mythology, religion, and creativity. He's a former Zen Buddhist monk and a Dharma master in the Korean Zen tradition and has created eight CD albums of uplifting original piano music. With his spouse, Madeline, a Swiss visionary artist, he presents worldwide at college campuses, spiritual centers, conferences, and peace, social justice, animal protection, health, and environmental gatherings. Wow. Welcome to the program, Will.
2: Yes, thank you so much, Lisa, and uh, thank you everyone for listening in.
1: Well, like I said, it is it's truly an honor because uh, this, this program is about sacred exploration and uncovering, recovering, discovering the many parts of ourselves which are hidden and masks uh-huh. and bringing them into the light. And uh, one of the cornerstones to my program is the topic of veganism. In every episode, I try to bring home the point that uh, there's great value in following a plant-based diet. And so to have you on the show is really one of, of uh, I would say, our global leaders on the subject is, is really quite an honor and um, a gift for all of our listeners today.
2: I'm so glad to hear that because uh, I think, you know you're right, there's so much that's been hidden and covered up in our society today, not only today, but going back to prior generations. And uh, Carl Jung talked about the shadow, which, you know, when, when uh, we're not aware really of the deeper forces at work uh, in our society and in our own lives, then we're really powerless to uh, heal at a deep level because we're just not aware. So really, I think, What we're talking about, at least from my point of view, with veganism is just becoming more conscious and more mindful and more aware of our actions and the consequences of our actions. And it's certainly not about judging or blaming anyone. It's really just to become more aware of the impacts that we're having on the world and and also on ourselves uh, through our food and our lifestyle. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. I know there's a a quote that I like to refer to often where it says the defense is inversely proportional to the truth. And um, that seems to ring for me throughout your book that we seem to have as a society so many defenses up and excuses or objections as to why we can't follow a plant-based diet or why we choose not to. And uh, you do an impressive job of addressing those different objections but it's it's right. a challenge <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: true that's <laughs> yeah, very true the The defenses are very strong, and like you say, the bigger the truth, the bigger the defenses
1: <laughs> right
2: yeah
1: and and there is a lot of covering up that's going on around our consumption of of meat these days. Would you right. say you, i mean you've been a vegan for thirty five years uh, Can you share with us a little bit of what you've seen change over time? I mean, are we moving in the right direction? Are we moving Mm. towards, uh, you know, moving away from animal consumption? Or how are we doing on that?
2: Well, that's a very interesting question, Lisa. And uh, you're right. I've been a vegan actually since 1980. So it's about now almost 37, 38 years. And I think there's been enormous progress made and it's not, it seems like a long time, uh, but it's actually quite a short time in terms of social uh, movements and cultural uh, evolution and so forth. And uh, it's been wonderful. I think m- myself and Madeline and you know, my wife, Madeline and I are in a pretty unique position because the world peace diet has been translated into so many languages. We're really able to travel worldwide and, Explore the vegan movement, not only all over North America, United States, Canada, and uh, and somewhat in Mexico, but also in Europe, in Asia, India, you know, China, Korea, and uh, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, all over, really, the world we've been in the last few years. And I see just tremendous progress and um, wonderful creativity uh, happening with uh, just a blossoming of, uh, m- you know, many many vegan restaurants and groups mm-hmm. and movies and blogs and counseling and uh, cooking, to, you know, cooking classes and yoga and just I mean every level, every area of society. I think education, uh, government, uh, corporations are are all being affected in a positive way by this. And uh, so I think we're, we're just at the brink, I think, of, a, uh, of, of veganism becoming even much more popular than it is now. You're mm-hmm. more, it does
1: feel like we're approaching that 100th monkey uh, right.
2: pe- yeah, time a, period. That's it, yeah, it's critical mass, that idea of critical mass I think is crucial because it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it goes very slowly in the beginning and it seems like there's no change happening. But there is a lot of change happening below the surface of the pond, kind of. And I think one of the things that we should be aware of is that the, the mainstream media is not covering really what's going on uh, in so many ways in our society, and especially, I think, with veganism, too, because uh, it's not in the best interest of mainstream media to let people know, the implications of animal agriculture, the devastating effects on our health, for example, and on the environment and on our society, uh, because corporations, financial institutions are, are have been set up and have been running really for hundreds of years that make immense profits, actually, from, unfortunately, from disease, from environmental devastation, from war and conflict. And so... For that reason, uh, you don't hear too much about this in the the mainstream media because uh, the mainstream media is funded by corporations. And I understand this very well because my father owned a whole chain of newspapers and I grew up in the newspaper world in Boston, Massachusetts. And I learned early on that it's not a good idea from the point of view of the the media to run news stories that the advertisers don't like because if Mm -hmm. if you do that, they'll pull their ads and you'll go out of business. So uh, so we're, when we really have to understand that the the, the view of the world that we 're getting from the media is not accurate it's really conditioned by powerful financial interests and then the other thing is that since ninety whatever it is ninety five to ninety eight percent of the people are eating animal foods, they also don't want to hear about it either. you know the, the actual people don't want to hear really don't most right part don't that's, want the, that's the
1: defense and the the blind that's, spot.
2: Yeah. Right. So we have this double thing. Like the industry doesn't want people to know and the people don't want to know. And so <laughs> to actually get the word out effectively is challenging, to say the least. And we find, you know, wh- whatever way we can creatively like we're doing right now to um, speak to people who are op- somewhat open-minded and progressive and aware and interested in healing and uh, in justice and freedom and sustainability and so forth. And I think uh, the, the inherent idea the underlying idea is kind of what gandhi said that you can't hide the truth forever you know sooner or later satya graha the truth power you know will come forth even though there's a lot of money to be made from suppressing the truth i think at a deeper level in our consciousness we really yearn for for the truth for for a deeper understanding of the interconnectedness of all life and how that actually plays out in our lives
1: Right. And you, you speak quite a lot about spirituality and interconnectedness in your book, as I do as well in mine, The Sacred Art of Eating. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's a little bit of a, the chicken or the egg sometimes, I feel like, which came first? It, it, do, do people who are vegan more likely to be more spiritual or spiritual people more likely to be more vegan, or maybe there's no connection at all. I mean, I I always kind of played around or I was in my own quandary about, am I, am I trying to educate people about how to eat well so that they can deepen their relationship with the divine? Or am I trying to use the divine to help people to see that we need to eat differently? And then I realized, well, you know, we're just trying to do all of it. <laughs> you know, it's all, yeah. it's all com- combined together. But
2: um I think that's a, a great question. But of course, the thing is you have to remember, uh you know, when I when I think about veganism as a movement, in a sense, or as a way of living or as a philosophy, and then I think of spirituality as a movement or as a way of living or as a philosophy, um they're basically the same, really. I mean, the underlying mm-hmm. um Uh, principles involved are based on awakening out of a cultural trance to a, the interconnectedness of all life and to seeing myself and others, not as objects to be manipulated or used, but as beings to be respected. Right. I mean, that's what spirituality is, is about love and awareness and awakening from the egocentric delusion that I'm a fundamentally separate self and therefore I'm just here to uh, try to get what I want and keep away what I don't want. And that, that teaches is all the world's religions and uh, as well as the spiritual teachings, which I think, you know, we have to make a distinction between religion and spirituality. Because that, religions yes. are institutions that can become very corrupt. But spirituality as, a, as an actual living force I think is a powerful, the most powerful healing uh, force there is. And veganism, I think, is the same thing. It's, a, it's ahimsa, or nonviolence, and it's based on the awareness that we're not separate from others, that if we're harming others, we're actually harming ourselves, and that we're basically locked in a delusion to think that we can somehow get something for ourselves by harming others to do that. And so there's a powerful uh, spiritual dimension to veganism and a very powerful vegan dimension to spirituality. However, the, the truth that I see is that most vegans, quite honestly, are not that interested in spirituality, and most spiritual people who consider them, themselves spiritual are quite often not interested in veganism. They don't make those connections, and, mm. and that, I think, is uh, ironic, to say the least. But I Confusing, is, too. <laughs> I think it's definitely changing. Pardon me. Confusing too. It's a little confusing. Confusing, right? Right. It is confusing. Well, I think the reason it's confusing, um, and this is, I've, I've kind of gone through this since um, writing the World Peace Diet. Uh, it, it came out about twelve years ago, and um, it, it, you know, we've I've given a lot of lectures and all over the United States and other countries and have realized, and have been involved actually in the animal rights movement and the vegan movement for 35 years, that um, a lot of the the really activists um, do not want to think of themselves as being spiritual and they, they kind of take offense uh, at spirituality very often and don't you know, like religion because, rightly so, I mean, religion is very often used to uh, support the status quo of violence and abuse against animals. You go to the, the like church uh, burger, you know, or or turkey or fish right. fry or whatever it is. Church churches are definitely not friendly places for animals, right? And that's that's even true, I have to say, for many Buddhist and Hindu and you know uh, whatever it is, Christian, Jewish, Muslim. I mean, in general, there are some wonderful teachings, and if you dig through the the scriptures, but the uh, actual example, in many, especially in the West, uh, of religion is not very uh, vegan friendly. So, we have that whole thing to contend with, and then uh, also um, a lot of people, I think, who are vegans are wounded. I mean, we're all wounded, you know, by being raised in a society that is organized around these mealtime rituals where we're all compelled to eat the flesh and secretions of horribly abused animals and the attitudes that are injected into us by being raised in this society with these rituals, Mm because meals are the primary ritual in any society, and rituals are the primary way that any society transmits its values from generation to generation. So looking into meals... Looking into our own mental states and attitudes and, and wounding, and so I think really we have to understand that being compelled to eat meat and dairy products from infancy is a, definitely the, one of the biggest wounds that we've all endured, and and it was it, and we were wounded in that way. By we people had no choice also, about it; it was put you know, upon yeah, us. We, well, yeah, we did, not but, but but it was by people we trust completely. You know, by our mothers and mm-hmm. fathers and teachers and doctors and friends and relatives and neighbors and everybody we trust. You know, growing up. But they were similarly wounded, and so this is the situation is that we've been wounded by eating these foods, and it's been two kinds it's been a, a two two levels of wounding i mean one is the physical like there's you know these foods are not healthy for us, and it's pretty well understood now that raising kids eating a lot of meat and dairy products is definitely setting them up when they get older for diabetes and obesity and osteoporosis and liver disease and kidney disease and cancer and heart disease and the whole list of of diseases that are filling up our hospitals. But at a deeper level, like, like I talk about in the World Peace Diet, is it wounds us um, psychologically and spiritually so that we learn to really not see beings when we see beings. We learn when we see cows and pigs and chickens uh, to see objects, to see milk machines, or to see a piece of meat, a piece of flesh. So this reductionism and materialism, and uh, the sense of might makes right and this basic sense that the strong dominate and exploit the weak. You now, these are the teachings that are living in our bones right. if we're raised in this society. And so I think I uh, understand that materialism is part of that. And so as vegans, very often, even though we're, we're now not eating meat and dairy products and eggs, uh, and that's great and not wearing wool, silk, and leather, and that's great too. We're not causing suffering to animals, but we're still wounded by the materialism in our society, and we're afraid of spirituality or we mistrust it. And I think that we then are confined in many ways to the shallows of living because the spiritual dimension is where we get outside of this delusion that I'm just a thing that was born and will die and realize that what I am, what all beings are, our expressions of eternal consciousness that were was never born and will never die. you know that's our true nature. And I think from that foundation we can begin to be much more effective in our lives, both as people but also I think as um, adv- activists and advocates as well.
1: Thank you, Will. Well, this is a great conversation. Our time is going to pass very quickly, I know. Uh, we're going to be going to commercial break right now. Stick with us so that you can hear more from Dr. Will Tuttle, author of the best selling The World Peace Diet, when we come back. I'm Lisa Tremont Ota, your host, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and
0: network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com
3: forward slash
0: Voice America. We have relationships with people in our lives, but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate, dynamic, and enduring of them all. You can nourish your relationship with food and the planet. Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Tremont and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com.
3: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: You are listening to Sacred Exploration. To reach Lisa or her guest today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Lisa Tremont Ota, your
1: host of Sacred Exploration. And I'm speaking with Dr. Will Tuttle, author of The World Peace Diet. Before commercial break, we were speaking to the aspect of spirituality amongst vegans and, and vice versa. I, I'd like to take just a slight uh, tangent, Will, and ask you if you could share with us a little bit about what you mean by the domination of the feminine and how that's related to our food choices.
2: Sure, Lisa. Yeah, I think this is one of the most important things for us to be aware of. Uh, in our society today, because we think of animal agriculture, we think of uh, animals being imprisoned and and then being killed and eaten, right? I mean, that's what it is. we don't most people don't think of it even that deeply, but that's that's what it is. And yet most people don't realize that there's one other element of that, which is the forced impregnation of female animals on a massive scale. You can't have animal agriculture without. Rape racks, which is what the industry refers to the devices where females are held uh, immobile, immobilized, and impregnated against their will, uh, whether they're pigs or sheep or goats or cows or chickens or turkeys. I mean, they're all rape racks are used on, on every, uh, in, in, even in fish, fish I and mean, even aquaculture. So, um, and even honey, actually, even honeybees, I mean, even the queen bees are held and they're impregnated mm-hmm. against their will with, you know, <laughs> under magnifying glasses and microscopes so it's this it's this very violent impregnation uh, and, of course, it's, it's the sexual abuse. I mean, it's just massive sexual abuse. Hmm. Uh, and it's not only, I mean, it's mainly directed towards females. It's also directed toward males. I mean, the males, you, know, you have to get the sperm somewhere. So there's people, of course, that masturbate the males to get the sperm. They're imprisoned, and they're just used for that. And then the female, but the females are uh, impregnated. And then the thing is that as soon as they give birth to their babies, and this is the most deep, powerful connection, really, in all of nature, is the connection between the mother and her offspring, and we violate that, you know, with impunity mm-hmm. and with, with the hardest of hearts. As soon as the mother cow gives birth, for example, to a calf, she wants nothing more than to nurse and love and lick and, you know, be with the calf and the calf, of course, it's the same thing, And and yet on any dairy, organic or not, as soon as that calf is born, that's not. The mother thinks that's my calf. And the the operator, the owner, the farmer says, "No, no, that's not your calf. That's my calf." She steals the calf and then impregnates the mother immediately, again. And so uh, this is horrifically brutal treatment. And so that's this kind of cruelty is in every dairy product and meat you know, on any animal agriculture operation. The animals are immediately, as soon as they are um, give birth, their babies are stolen, and they're immediately impregnated again because you don't want to waste feed feeding an animal a female that's not either, you know, pregnant and going to give birth to a baby, or, or you know, getting to the point where she can be pregnant. And they use a lot of hormones to. Bring them into heat when they're still basically just children, mm-hmm. in human terms, and uh, and then their babies are stolen and their babies are killed, typically, usually immediately. In the case of dairy operations, or they're just used uh, for meat. In the case of say uh, pigs or chickens, and uh, and the eggs are stolen. And you know everything is stolen. So it's it's vi- it's the most hideous violence against females that you can not just committing this violence, we're actually turning around and feeding it to our children and we're eating it every day. So we're eating this violence. It becomes the very cells of our body, this domination of what I refer to as Sophia. You know, Sophia was the ancient Greek goddess of wisdom and I think it refers to What I feel is pretty obvious within human beings. We have a certain inborn wisdom uh, that yearns to nurture and love and protect life, and we can see this, of course, especially with mothers who give birth to a little baby. And then, even though the baby is maybe a lot of trouble, the mother uh, this this wisdom kicks in, and the mother loves and protects and nurtures and cares for, uh, and, and develops patience and all these other virtues. Uh, in dealing with this baby, and I think that's the foundation of, of a healthy human being. If we don't get that from our mothers, we're going to be physically and psychologically and spiritually very uh, unhealthy, and as a society, will be very unhealthy if, if we don't, if our mothers don't have, don't give that to their children. And yet, mm-hmm. what is animal agriculture? I mean, it's the foundation of animal agriculture is to break that bond between the mother and the offspring, the most sacred bond there is, and we do it on a massive scale by the Millions, by the millions every day, easily. And uh, so that is not only causing enormous anxiety and distress and pain and suffering, uh, and physical and psychological, to the animals, but to us too. Because what we're sowing, we're going to reap. Whatever we sow, we reap. We know that. Everyone uh-huh. knows this. and We know this in our bones. And this is the fundamental teaching in all the world, religious and spiritual traditions. And so how can we expect ourselves as human beings to be worthy of a society of freedom and peace and justice and any kind of spiritual depth or wisdom, when the the living core, the, most, the the main thing we're doing, the largest activity because animal agriculture is the number one largest activity that human that human society does. I mean we're most of the land, most of the water, most of the petroleum, most of everything. Our, our culture revolves around food And it takes enormous amounts of acreage and oceans and rainforest and everything and animals and uh, resources all pouring into food and food production. And if the core of that is, unfortunately, raping female animals, stealing their babies, eating their flesh, and doing this over and over again for most people two or three times every day and teaching our children to do it, forcing them really to do that – it just shuts down Sophia. You know, the Kids learn at the dinner table not to think uh, or feel or care deeply, to just see beings as objects. Sophia mm-hmm. is the opposite of that. Sophia is the natural wisdom that when we see a being, we see a being. And when we see a being, we naturally have a sense of respect and appreciation. Uh, for the the other being. But if we are taught through the meal ritual, so it's a hidden teaching. It's not, they don't, parents don't come out or the society doesn't come out and say, we're going to teach you to be hard-hearted and not care about others. You know, they they don't say it directly. We just do these rituals of eating animal foods and it Mm -hmm. teaches us at a much more powerful, deep level, at a cellular level where we're not even aware that we even learned that. But we learned it so profoundly that we then create an economic system and a political system based on injustice and the domination of the weak by the strong and we rationalize the whole thing and that's the society we're born into where we have to sell ourselves on the market and we see other people as instruments to be used to get what we want just as we use cows and pigs and chickens as instruments to be used to get what we want and we have boys growing up, and I experienced this myself directly. You know, where at a certain point when we get to junior high and high school, at least that's how it was when I was a kid, you know, we're taught, we learn to, to look at girls or females as basically sexual, uh, sexual objects to be used for pleasure.
1: Well, and it seems that that's seem still very things. present
2: as we're learning from the media these days. Yes. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's all based on uh, if you're going to eat, that's the thing we have to understand. If we want to eat meat and dairy products, then that's the kind of culture we're going to have. I mean, it's unavoidable. You cannot have animal products of any kind, whether it's free-range, organic, anything, without massive uh, sexual violence against female animals and babies. That is the core of all animal agriculture. And any effort made to cover that up or make that go away or pretend that there's anything innocent or anything good or anything helpful in animal agriculture is absolutely unfounded because the foods themselves are unhealthy and devastating the practices are violent and abusive and it shuts us down spiritually psychologically creates a culture of violence creates war and uh, and uh, poverty and hunger and is devastating to the environment on every level so um, we have to have much more clear-eyed awareness um, of what animal life actually is, and how the domination of the feminine really uh, destroys not only the happiness of these animals but uh, of ourselves as well at, at a very deep level.
1: Mm-hmm. Understood. And it's interesting to me uh, that there are many ways that people may come to veganism. there's There's the health aspect. Sometimes people in their older age. This happened with my father, um, you know, having heart disease, like so many people. And then they turn to a more plant-based di- diet. They might read Dean Ornish and you know focus in on the plants. That way, uh, some people may come at it through animal advocacy, and then there are some who will come to it in terms of environmentalism and protection for the planet. And I find that these will interweave too. But you know, it's interesting. Back when I was studying uh, public health nutrition at Berkeley. There's a lot of focus on whether you used kind of a negative approach or a more positive approach to influencing people's health behaviors. So for example, like we could look at, you know, the benefits that will come from eating a plant-based diet, that you'll have healthier skin and more energy and reduced risk of cancer and autoimmune, autoimmune disorders and heart disease and so forth and so on. But actually showing people the cruelty that's happening to animals seems to be very effective, especially amongst children. I mean, this is just what I'm observing. I'm curious what you've seen, but it seems like when kids go on field trips to factory farms, that's when they come home at age 10 and they tell their parents that they're vegan. And the mom's like pulling her hair out going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? And, um, but I think that the documentaries of which you've been a part and all, the ones that are really exposing this animal cruelty are very effective, or at least they're effective initially, and then whether or not people hold on to that is another thing. But what are your thoughts around just approaches to how we can awaken people uh, towards veganism and the,
2: and the cruelty right. that's being done? Yeah, that's a excellent. That's a very uh, perceptive uh, kind of question, because I think you know, we have a tendency uh, probably in our society to focus on the negative uh, to be sort of outraged when we find out how unhealthy the foods are, uh, and how cruel and violent and abusive it is to animals, and how destructive it is to ecosystems, and to sort of tell people all these terrible things about, <laughs> about the food they're eating. Mm-hmm. And um, I think on one level it is effective. I mean, when I mean, for, if, if I really could see uh, the devastating effects, say you know to uh animals uh at a factory farm and I've done that I've gone to slaughterhouses although I was already vegan when I did but it really reinforced it for me you know like I will never eat animals now that I've been to slaughterhouses and stockyards and factory farms uh it, it just kind of made it at a much deeper level but I'm a big fan of emphasizing the positive uh approach And uh, so I, I, but I think you know both are helpful. For example, Mm -hmm. children. Like you, it's interesting you mentioned children. You're right. I think if children are exposed uh, in a constructive way to the uh, terrible abuse of animals, say the branding, the beak chopping the tail docking the castration the, the just the cutting of their throats the screaming of the pigs and so forth they, if they see that and then they think god am I, I'm eating that you know they, they have a whole you know a natural our natural intelligence our natural sense of repulsion at violating and harming other beings which is beautiful. I mean, it's our natural wisdom is activated and we say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay someone to do that. You know, I'm not going to, you know, if the problem is we're, we're, we're just numbed because we're disconnected from it. Like I remember when I was in um, college and I learned how bombers would fly over Vietnam and just push a button and drop a bomb on a village. And it didn't bother them because they never saw what happened. You know, they flew back and they slept well. They didn't see the family getting blown up that they just caused. And I think the same thing if we go to a store and we buy a pot roast or we buy fish sticks or whatever, we don't really see it. It's all kind of hidden. It's wrapped up. We have all these, all these uh, ways of, of dressing it up with both with stories as well as actual physical. Uh, garnishes and things. So we're not really aware mm-hmm. of the terror and fear and, and the sheer violence that we're causing and we're eating and that in our society conspires to keep us disconnected from that. So I think it's, it is very helpful to see this, but the, of course the, the problem is in many ways is that if you look at the, the undercover footage uh, of abuse of animals on factory farm slaughterhouses and auctions and so forth, I would say probably 95% of the people that are watching that footage are vegans, right? They're the, right, ones right. There. Like they're, they're the only ones watching this because mm-hmm. eating animal foods are like, I don't want to watch that. I want to eat my, I want to feel good about what I'm eating. You know? So people avoid uh, ever exposing themselves to the negative uh, effect because they don't want to see it. And so I think uh, for that reason, sometimes it's hard and people do also don't like to uh, have uh, you know negativity t- told to them. They just don't want to hear negative things. And so the beautiful thing about veganism, really, that I love so much about it is that it's, it's not merely a critique of an obsolete, violent, abusive system. We also have an absolutely fabulous, delicious, healthy, sustainable uh, alternative that would basically solve virtually all of our problems in many ways uh, if people would actually in, in, you know, undertake to, um, to explore it. I mean, vegan food is we can feed people on a fraction of the land food that is much healthier much cleaner and uh, without causing we can allow the animals to be free and live their lives we can have much more habitat for animals because we don't have to grow me- immense quant you know how much land it takes to grow all oh, the oh yeah planet,
1: deforestation boy
2: right. i mean it's unbelievable how much land it takes so Mm-hmm. We can emphasize the positive. I love emphasizing the positive. The fact that anyone who goes, moves toward a plant based way of eating is healing the world on many levels. We're reducing the amount of suffering to animals. We're going to be eating uh, more healthy. We'll have more energy. We'll have, we'll just feel better psychologically and we'll feel better physically. We'll be allowing more grain to feed hungry people. That, you know, food shortages are the main driving force behind war and conflict in the world. That's well understood. So we're making a direct contribution to, and we're reducing the health care costs and the cost of it, all these things. And and then the other thing I just want to mention is that there's a lot of truth to the fact that a lot of people go vegan not so much by understanding the, the terrible things that are happening to animals, but also by visiting places like sanctuaries where they see pigs and cows and chickens as beings. You know, they see the pot, mm-hmm. they see them as, with their own personalities. And they see, I mean, you take a kid. To a sanctuary I mean that 's the greatest thing because they're they 're open you can and you can see animals that have somehow escaped the system they somehow fell off the truck to the slaughterhouse or however they escaped, and uh, there they are and and you can see them as beings, and then that that right. kind of dynamic uh, tension in the in the mind of a person. Like you see a burger and then you see the pig I mean, or, you know, or the, the cow and you see the, the ham and you see the pig and then realize, gosh, this is no, no, I won't do that ever, ever again. <laughs> right. And so I think right. you know, kind of positive experiences to help people see the beauty of nature, the beauty of animals, the beauty of a healthy vegan diet. I mean, the fact that vegan uh, foods and vegan um Cuisine really is now being, actually declared by forces like The Economist and Business Week and other mainline, you know, economic journals, as being one of the leading growth industries in the next few years is because it's delicious I mean it's, it it's is delicious
1: well, listen we've got to go to break again will um, but stay tuned everyone because uh, I, I want to ask will about what his thoughts are on the imperfectly vegan term when we return So again I'm Lisa Tremont Ota you're listening to sacred exploration We'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and
0: network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We have relationships with people in our lives, but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate, dynamic, and enduring of them all. You can nourish your relationship with food and the planet. Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Trimonoda and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529 or email exploration at gmail.com. You are listening to Sacred Exploration. To reach Lisa or her guest today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Sacred Exploration, and I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, speaking today with Dr. Will Tuttle, author of the best-selling book, The World Peace Diet. And Will, um, in the preface of your book, you state that the World Peace Diet is designed to speak to us wherever we are on this journey. And um, it's with that type of thinking in mind that I developed the term imperfectly vegan. And... um, it was not easy to come up with that term because I don't want to dismiss all of the important attitudes towards veganism, but I guess uh, in recognition that we still have a long way to go in terms of bringing people to, p- towards plant-based eating, that I wanted to an extend an invitation that they didn't have to be perfect. But I, I'm curious, in your honest opinion, to hear what you think of the term.
2: Actually, yeah, thanks. I think uh, it's a refreshing term. You know, I, when I first saw it, I, I, I thought, "hmm, imperfectly vegan." And uh, as I thought about it a little bit more, um, I, I liked it more and more because I think there is a certain feeling that I have myself that I would like to just do the best I can to live a, a vegan life. And for me, veganism, again goes back to ahimsa, the ancient Sanskrit. Teaching, which means nonviolence, which is the root teaching in all spiritual traditions to live our lives as best we can to minimize the violence or the abuse that we inflict on others and a, a more positive way of saying it would be to maximize the amount of love and kindness and respect and caring and mercy and tenderness and gentleness and so forth that we're um, that we're uh, giving to others and I think this is really the the source of happiness for us as people as a society as well as individuals, and I think we all know this in our bones, that the people who are the most loving and caring and giving usually are the ones who, uh, at at the deep level, are the happiest. And the more I'm kind of stuck in uh, manipulating and scheming and trying to uh, deceive people and get what I want and, and that kind of thing, and that's somewhat, unfortunately, encouraged by the capitalist economic system that we're in, um, then we tend to be more uh, stressed out and unhappy and diseased and, and so forth. So I think, perfectly, you know, trying to be a more perfect vegan to me is just trying to, you know, be, uh, do the best I can every day to question the programming in society that, that encourages uh, violence and abuse of others and to cultivate within myself a, a more awareness of the consequences of my thoughts and words and deeds on others. Uh, but there's also, so, so anyway, so there's this sense of wanting to be as perfect as possible, but I think it's so important in, on any path of psychological growth or spirituality, uh, to avoid the kind of perfectionist, uh, you know, tendency where we judge ourselves and others, especially others, uh, for how they're doing on the path, and realizing that we do live, in a sense, in an imperfect world that my happiness um, is interconnected with the happiness of others. And can I really be happy when there's when there's thirty or forty thousand children starving to death every day, or when so many animals are being confined and abused and so forth? Uh, my part of my happiness comes from doing what I can to help relieve the suffering of others. And mm-hmm. so I think um, a lot of people are afraid of veganism in a certain sense because they think it it feels like such a discipline where they have to sort of perf- perfectly never eat meat never eat dairy never eat eggs never wear wool silk or leather never go to a zoo never go to a rodeo or circus and never buy products tested on animals and it's difficult in our society to avoid all these things all the time especially when you look deeply into it and you realize there's a little bit of of cow fat probably in in tires that you buy for your car and you know these things are kind of mixed around so so it's good because we can't no one can actually be a perfect vegan probably kill some insects when we're walking on the ground and and so forth. So to realize that we're doing the best we can uh, in any situation and then to, uh, from that point of view, it's it's sort of a a point of view, from my point, you know, it seems to me anyway, of humility. Like I'm doing the best I can and I'm not going to judge you for not doing better because I've been there. I mean, I've, I've spent the first 22 years of my life eating a lot of meat, dairy products and eggs and so i I can definitely relate to people who do that and think they need to do that to get the nutrients they need or to please their parents or their teachers or their, or their colleagues or their whoever it is or for the convenience of it or whatever you know we we are deeply um, influenced by these forces, and uh, so I think the imperfectly vegan uh, uh, meme that you've created is is very hmm. valuable because. It helps open the doorway wide. You know, it sounds like just like it's open to everybody. We can all be right. moving this direction. You know, don't don't. Have, there's no perfectionism here. We're not. You know, we're not going to bring out the vegan police and you know, kind of tell you know, judge you on how you're doing. It's just great. You know, if you can re- just reducing the amount of meat and dairy you're eating, that's fantastic. You know, bravo. And if you can reduce it more, great. Go vegetarian. Good. Keep going. Go vegan. You're then better. But don't stop. I think it's important not to stop. Um, at the point of view of vegan, to realize that even if we're sort of vegan in the outer world, uh, which is maybe you know, I'm not eating meat and dairy or eggs or honey and I'm not, you know, all that stuff, still that's just the very beginning of a much longer journey toward real veganism, which is that so that in all of my relations with all animals, both human and non human animals, I'm living a life of kindness and respect in my thoughts, words, and deeds. And this is where it gets really challenging, because you know real veganism is kindness and respect for others uh, in every situation, including you know including our relationships with humans and this is where I think uh, our movement can really grow and develop, and as we have more and more vegans who are living what i was just, i call this whole thing deep veganism that deep veganism is the pathway to A movement that is much more transformational of individuals and of our society, and uh, it's also a pathway to uh, really awakening, I think, the potential that we have uh, to a much deeper level. As long as we see veganism as merely uh, something for health or even something to to, uh, bring more justice to animals, um, we're still kind of in the old paradigm, and I think deep Mm -hmm. veganism is is the new it's actually an ancient way of seeing, but it's a, it's a way it's somewhat a new way of seeing how profoundly interconnected all the different levels are and so I think uh, imperfectly vegan that idea really kind of resonates with all of this that uh, we're mo- always we're always moving even if we're vegan you know i still have so far to go you know even you know if i right. get angry with my spouse because of something i mean that's you know what, what is it i mean i'm i'm sort of in, i'm i'm kind of uh, excluding her from the sphere of my compassion i mean the whole thing but veganism mm-hmm. is is radical inclusivity it's i'm going to include all beings in the sphere of my kindness and concern and so that means a lot of spiritual and psychological growth and i think that idea you know that term uh, has has um, you know kind of connotations of this that I think are very helpful too. Oh,
1: wonderful! Well, I did definitely go into veganism deeply when I came up with it, so it means a lot that you feel the way that you do yeah. about it. And uh, you know, I think really it's it's like what you refer to. It's 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 an invitation. It's really an invitation right. to invite people into this movement to explore without having to be rigid or. Meet any expectations or rules, and just do their best, like you said, do your best. Um, right. So wonderful, that's great. Well, listen, I also know that you're you're on the road a lot, and you're bringing your your wisdom along with Madeline to to many others in different countries and across the United States. Can you tell us more about your your programs that you have going on? And
2: sure, yeah, I think you know the the best thing is uh, if anyone's interested, go to our website, which is. Uh, WorldPeaceDiet.com. You can also get to that website by just my name, WillTuttle.com, and you can see there our tour schedule. We're doing a lot of lecturing around uh, North America as well as worldwide, and we also have a training program, the World Peace Diet Facilitator Training Program. So if you you know read the World Peace Diet, which you can you know you can get a copy of the book on Amazon or through our website. We have also an uh... as well as in many different languages. And then, um, you can go more deeply into it. We have a whole network of people who are world peace diet facilitators who are bringing this message to their communities and helping to veganize, in a sense, our world. That's part of what we like to do. And, um, so we have that available as well. Uh these other books, there's a book called, um, the new, the newest one is Your Inner Islands, Keys to Intuitive Living about developing spiritual intuition. And we also have another book called Circles of Compassion, Essays Connecting Issues of Justice, which is showing the connections between social justice issues and veganism. And uh, my music, and I have a bunch of CDs of original piano music there, and my wife, Madeline, who's an artist, uh, her um, her paintings and so forth of the animals are there. Because we, we try to bring beauty into this as well as, um, as, well as the teachings. And I think music and art and poetry, as well as writings and teachings, are all part of the way that we can understand this and explore this together. And we just released, actually, fifteen of my uh, favorite compositions as sheet music. So if you want to play it on the mm. piano yourself, then, really? we just put that mm. up like the other day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. Well, that's that's all beautiful. I, I want our listeners to know there's something about this interconnectedness and the the mystery of life because I actually. Uh, learned about Will through his piano playing before I ever knew that he was a vegan proponent. And uh, that was probably 25 years ago. And he just played the piano beautifully to the point that I asked him if he would play at my wedding ceremony, which he did. And then here we are, you know, decades later, both having right. uh, written, written books about going vegan and ah, doing the best we can to move people towards plants. So, yeah, beautiful beautiful synchronicity there. I would suggest and recommend so highly that if you've never read The World Peace Diet that you order yourself a copy. It's a gift to yourself, it's a gift to the to animals, it's a gift to the planet. And just take your time and read through that and have no judgment just let it sink in and if you've read it before i mean again we may have primarily vegans listening to this podcast but if you if you've read it before read it again it's just so full of wisdom on so many levels around our individual relationship to food our communal relationship to food our environmental relationship to food societal cultural and i really believe that this is one of the most important things that we can do. I think, Will, you also in your book referred to eating as a sacred act, as the most sacred right. act. And I couldn't agree more. And I think that's why with sacred exploration, I like to talk about many topics, dreams and relationships, intuition, etc. But at the foundation, it comes back to food and how we eat and how we sit at the table and what we choose by choice to put into our bodies every single day. And that there is the beauty as well, is that, uh because we are dependent upon food for life and therefore need to eat on a daily basis and usually several times that we have an opportunity to practice 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 and get it right and keep practicing and keep doing our best every day so
2: well said
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's that
2: well said very well thank
1: you will thank you will well once again it was such a pleasure will you uh can we do this again because there's just so many more questions that we didn't even have time to get to but
2: definitely look forward to it again another time yes
1: wonderful great thank you all right my pleasure and uh, thank you again for your presence today and for all that you've done to to spread the message uh across the planet Well, our time is ending. And so I thank all of you for listening in. Please, please share this podcast as much as you can. It's got truly important messaging in it. And I will look forward to seeing all of you next week on Sacred Exploration. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today for Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Ota. Be sure to listen to our program again next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your week.